0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. It's just so great to to be able to worship together, would you agree? And um, to come together just to to not take for granted the fact that we can gather and... um, some people have been here from 9 o'clock in the morning already just to be able to mingle with some other people, so it's just great to, to be the church and to see some people have grown in stature physically, emotionally, spiritually, in many ways, um, so uh, welcome here. If you've not been around for a while, we are busy with a, a series on the grace of God uh, through humility, and so I'm going to just recap one or two things for us, because I think uh, for all of us, we've probably noticed over the past six or nine months during the lockdown, how many of you have noticed that the family that you belong or people that you've stayed with have have got some issues? Just raise your hand, you know, the family, they need some sorting out, you know, how many of you have realized that you are right in the center of that problem? (laughs) <laughs> you've been adding <laughs> yeah uh, but it's amazing especially for, the, for for us in the west we fill our lives with so many things and in a time like this then, then it's almost like when those things are the distractions are taken away then it's so easy to fall back into just filling your life with a lot of things again or just try to like you know uh, get busy again, and, and some people have really been going through a tough time, especially the extroverts that just like, you know, want to go out there and meet people and do lots of things, and um, I think for a lot of us, you, you are still in a, a season, and I think the season is going to continue. I don't think it's going to stop because the virus stops. I think the Lord wants to expose some stuff in our hearts, and it's this time where we can either soften our hearts or we can harden our hearts. Um, And and that's the story of the Bible. That's the story of God calling a people to himself to turn, to repent. Um, And I don't know if you've been watching it. It's almost like a reality show, the American politics, you know. Uh, But you can just watch like five minutes of it and you think like, wow, you know, if the biggest nation in the world, you know, if leaders behave like that. So disrespectful, so dishonoring, so taking each other apart, you know. Um, then we've really come to crazy days, but it's almost a manifestation of the culture that we live in. And so I don't know about you, but we need we need serious change. <laughs> and uh, we need serious re-evaluation of what do we define as culture, and especially as Christians, what's a biblical culture. And it was so amazing to see that there were a lot of Christians marching up to Washington Last week, and having a prayer march, and just praying and saying, God, we we need to seek your face. Because if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, turn, repent, and seek my face, then I will heal their land. Amen? Thank you for your enthusiasm. So, last week, we, especially in the evening service, we spoke about humility. Not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. To not be selfish, but to be selfless. And in Joel chapter 2, it says, render your hearts, not your garments. It's time to render our hearts. It's time to turn back to God. And I was sharing the story, I think, I can't remember where I shared the story, but uh, when we went to Iran a couple of years ago, and it was our first time there. We tried to get a visa, and we couldn't get a visa for seven years. And eventually, we we got there, and it was quite a shock. Uh, It was a shock to to see the humility and the grace of people responding to God, and especially the church, um, with such a grace, such, it's such a privilege just to be able to worship to get, together, it's just people being thankful, people you know, sitting there not even understanding English, but just crying every time when we could gather together, because they didn't just take things for granted. And, um, and so the turning point for us in this mission trip was, was one day when the Lord said, tomorrow you're going to pray not with uh, words, you're going to pray with your tears. You know, and it was a bunch of guys that, um, it's like quite macho guys. And so we, we went there and we sat and we started to worship. And the next moment, this one guy that never showed any emotions just started to weep uncontrollably. And then the Holy Spirit just came in and we just like wept for three hours, nonstop, but not like weeping, weeping, like, you know, some hay fever in the air. It was like a breaking before God, like a brokenness. And um, I remember, I don't know, and ladies, I've got lots of respect for you, Brian's, all the, all the ladies, you know, just like ladies cry, they get themselves together, and the next hour they drink tea and they go on and it's finished, you know. Us as men, when we cry, we wrecked. For days, you know, we were sitting there like zombies, you know, we thought like, oh, we have got no energy left, you know, and, the, you know, so so we were just sitting there for three days just thinking like what just happened, trying to figure out, because we're not always that in tune with our emotions either, trying to figure out what just happened in those three hours, you know, and then for the first time it was an experience of what we call travail, a, a, a place where you... Where you surrender yourself to such a point that God begins to use you, but it's not about you understanding. And so we're talking about humility. and um, a couple of things first, um, uh, when we really want to enter into humility, we need an awareness of our brokenness and our weakness. And this is what Paul writes in second Corinthians 12. This doesn't fit in properly with the prosperity gospel of uh, the victorious breakthrough. God is for you, and he's ready here to make your life happy. Uh, but Paul writes about this thing that he's pleaded with God three times. He says, I've pleaded with God. And 2 Corinthians 12 says it, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. This is what the Lord answers after he's pleaded with the Lord to take away the thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what that thorn was, whether some people say it was a blindness, some people say, say there were different things that he was struggling with, demonic persecution, there were lots of theories on what it was. But then listen to this, how Paul reacts to this answer, that God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. If you don't understand your weakness and your brokenness, then... God's strength cannot manifest through you. Yeah? We think like quoting the scripture for the day, that's going to be the strength. You know, my God can supply all my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's very important that we quote those scriptures. But that's in Philippians chapter 3 and 4. But it's not after we found Philippians chapter 2, which is the greatest chapter on humility. He who had no reputation, he laid down his reputation, became obedient to the point of death. And so here it says, Therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The world says, be strong, be strong, be strong. Fix everything on the outside. God says, the issue of the heart. I, I, want, I want to deal with the issues in the heart. And if we don't allow the, the potter to take that clay, we, we're going to be in trouble. Okay, so 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 here's your first thing because this is, this is now where we're going to challenge each other a little bit because I see John Yip sitting here and he will always ask a question. Okay, so quickly turn to somebody next to you and boast of one thing that you're not good at. It can be practical. Maybe it's like for me, I cannot... I cannot hit a thing into the wall and it's straight. It's always like I'm not a maintenance man, you know, so I'm just not, that's not my gift thing, but post in a weakness quickly. It can just be natural, it can, you don't need to know, and wives, don't tell your husband, you're not allowed to respond right now. Husbands, you're not allowed to tell your wife anything, okay, no response, no pointing of the finger You just keep quiet, you receive, you bless, you nod as if you've never known that, okay? Some of the husbands are just staring straight in front of them, you know, and say, don't let them hear, don't let them hear, okay? But uh, remember, weakness is not equal to sin. Sin needs to be repented of, but weakness is, is, is that inbuilt sin God has given us to not to be independent. And the whole world, the big words... Entitlement, identity politics, you know, just be yourself, just be your greatest self, you know, find yourself. And if you are a 50 year old man, if you want to be a 10 year old girl, then that's fine. You know, just find yourself. It's so strange. The world has gone crazy. And so <clears throat> the second thing that Proverbs talks about is that if we have realized that weakness, not to try and fight it. I was speaking to a guy this week that um and um I really want to encourage us in, in this time to to trust God for words over people's lives because this guy came and um it's actually a long story but he made an appointment with me I met him in Joburg once and long story but he came to see me and he said to you know he said to me do you know what 14 years ago on a Camp. It wasn't a church camp, it was an Indrach camp, a Korsais camp, you know, a residence camp at Landadno. One night, you were, we were there worshipping, it was like an inter-church thing, and, and you were the speaker. And so, three quarters through the way, you called me out, and you just started to pray over me, and you spoke a word over me, 14 years ago. And those things have all come to pass, and that's the word I hang on, because everything has just fallen apart in the last nine months in my life. I remember that night. I had a stomach bug. I didn't feel very spiritual at all. (laughs) I I, I remember that was like one of the worst weekends. Just trying to get there was already a miracle. And I thought like 14 years ago, and that word changed that person's life. And that's the power of prophecy. That's the power of of the church when we begin to speak what God speaks. But it it comes from a deep, deep trust and dependency on God. Listen to what he says here. Trust in the Lord. Let's read this together because you're very quiet this morning. You can read out loud. We'd love to hear your voice. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So, and then it goes on to talk about the first fruits and your offering and all of that stuff. But the world says be independent. Just just build, build your own thing. Build on the outside. God says as you grow as a Christian... You're gonna to need to learn to trust, and as a culture, we need to learn to trust because we don't trust anymore. We're very suspicious, and you know, my grandmother used to say, "I just go to the the prayer thing in the in the mornings on a Wednesday because then I know nobody's gonna talk about me." <laughs> that was the only reason why she went to the bit here, you know, because she people were skinnering about each other all the time, you know. So we we're so suspicious, and there's there, there's so much stuff because. In our thought life, we've not been renewed. But here it says, like, trust in the Lord. Fear the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Yeah. Don't trust your own understanding. Don't trust your mind, and especially don't trust your heart. Yeah. Woo, it's getting very quiet here, but hallelujah. Listen to what Andrew Murray says about complete dependence. He says, humility... The place of the entire dependence on God. Now, some of you must put your glasses on. Is from the nature of things, the first duty and the highest virtue of the creature and the root of every virtue, humility. And so pride or the loss of this humility is the root of every sin and evil. It was when the now fallen angels began to look upon themselves with self-complacency that they were led to disobedience. And were cast down from the light of heaven into outer darkness. Even so it was when the serpent breathed the poison of the pride, the desire to be as God into the hearts of our first parents, that they too fell from their high estate into all the wretchedness in which man has now sunk. Did you get all those English words? Those profound words. You know, that poison of pride. And I said last week that, that we live in a town so full of pride. So full of I'm better than this, and as long as you're better than that. But not just superiority, also inferiority is pride. The moment when you feel inferior or intimidated by other people, you're also in pride. Because it means you reject what the identity is God has put on your life as a Christian. So therefore, false humility is also true. When God says, hey, I've called you to do it, and you say, no, 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 Lord, I'm not good enough to do that, then that's false humility. Because you're not obedient to what God has called you to do. So, God wants us to be dependent on Him. Completely dependent. And then the third thing is humility is living in the light. In Philippians chapter 2, it says this is what Paul writes in this amazing chapter. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. It actually means to put other people's interest above your own. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others, to think of yourself less. To think like, sure, how can I serve somebody else and think about their needs before my needs? How can I pray for their needs? 80% of my prayer life should be about other people and not about, oh, Lord, please give me and make me happy. But they've done a study in in especially Europe and America. And they said 95% of what people pray for is all about their own happiness. Uh, oh, Lord, please give us this. And, oh, Lord, please protect me there. And, oh, Lord, please do that. And many of those prayers God has promised to give us if you are obedient to him. Would you agree with me? <laughs> so, so, don't pray. Lord, please be with me. Because he said, lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. I, are you with me? <laughs> We pray sometimes stuff that's in Scripture that says, God, I promise, I've already told you that, you know. But now we pray because why? We pray from a place of independence and not complete yieldedness. And that's why I we're talking this morning about yielded vessels. Render our hearts. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm just warming up because I haven't preached to see faces for a long time. Lock the doors. right now, Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna eat now now, so so now I've got your focus again. Okay, so, so we sang that song Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like Yanni. <laughs> you know, well, he really needs God's grace, you know. And there's all whole clan here, and oh, the Ferreras at the back, they should hear this message, you know. You know, they they sure <clears throat> they really need oh, have you heard what they did, you know. No, no, that saved a rich like me. And if that's not your starting point as a Christian, we can never tap into the grace of God. But what our culture does is our culture wants us to fix the problem. I, I don't know about you, but... I, I'm a natural try to fix the problem because I'm an encourager. So I want, I want people to feel nice and I want people to like, you know, so, so I'm one of those people if there's not enough food at lunch, I'm depressed because I think like, well, everybody must just eat enough. There's always too much food at the, at the table when we invite people and because hey, people, people need to feel good, you know. And so any other fixes here, any other b- bit of control freaks that, you know, you, you, you want to you fix the problem. And that is probably one of the greatest sins. Is we da- If we don't serve God from a place of nothing, being nothing, and not being able to add anything to the work of Christ, then we're in trouble because then we're always going to be control freaks. We're always going to strive. We're always going to say, like, oh, yeah, God's love, God's this, but I need to perform for it. Okay? So the crazy part is if you come to be a yielded vessel, then then it's so amazing when we, don't worry, it's just the pastor's child. It's George's child, so she's just agreeing with everything. But, but to actually acknowledge that we're nothing is the most powerful statement in your life. I'm, I'm just nothing. He saved a wretch like me. But in the church, even there's so much performance And I think this past six or nine months, as as like for many people, especially for pastors, they can't do anything about the problem. No, 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 but, but, but we have to pray. No, 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 no. We have to make the church, we have to like, to be nothing. Again, Uncle Murray says the following, And the Christian life has suffered loss, where believers have not been distinctly guided to see that even in our relation as creatures, Nothing is more natural and beautiful and blessed than to be nothing, that God may be all. It's actually amazing to be broken, yielded vessels to God. John 15, verse 4 to 5 says, Remain in me, as I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing nothing Chinese nothing <laughs> you can say that nothing nothing but nothing means nothing <laughs> no 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 no. but you know we need to do it we need to you know you need you need to sort out your sin you need to no 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 <laughs> Galatians 6 verse 3 for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself so sure. no but I've been a pastor for 30 years you know I, I know some stuff I'm talking about a hot attitude of yieldedness, of hunger, because we become professional Christians. <laughs> we come in and say, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Don't be so excited about that. You know, you're just second year, you know. You want to go change the world, go on missions and all that stuff. But, you know, we've been there, you know. You, you'll find a balance one day. And, and I'm not talking about saying no to your responsibilities. But the moment when you and I lose that hunger for God, we're in trouble. The moment when we, we fall into spiritual pride, because that's the most ugly pride we can have. You know? And um, there's, a, there's a pastor in town. We've become very good friends over the last six years. But the first time he came to meet me was he said, like, why is shofar people so arrogant? But that's the first coffee we have. It's Pastor Paul, you know, he's a plumber by trade, he's a pastor now. And and I thought, like, who's this arrogant guy? You know? (laughs) That's the first question, yeah. And I said to him, Well, you know, maybe you perceive it as arrogant, but but we just like pioneers. So we we wanna we wanna fight. When we see something, we we go for it. But that can maybe sometimes that we exclude other people and we think like, well, because we Have the gifts moving in the church that we're better than the Baptist around the corner. And no! (laughs) Because humility attracts the power of God. Not our great exploits. That hunger, that, that desire for God. Listen to what Jesus said a couple of scriptures. The son can do nothing of himself. I can of my own self do nothing. My judgment is just because I seek not my own will. I receive not glory from men. I am come not to do my own will. My teaching is not my own. I am not come of myself. I do nothing of myself. I have not come of myself, but he sent me. I seek not my own glory. The words that I say, I speak not from myself. Just some verses, Jesus was a yielded vessel to God. And so that means that you and I need to grow and remain teachable. It's the... Teachability and thankfulness is probably the immune system you need to build in to think like you've never arrived. Will you say that out loud? I have never arrived and I will never arrive. Okay, that's a great place. So every day is a gift from God and every day is like, I I can learn, I can grow. And that's why church is so important because maybe there's another person who's got different giftings and a different, you know, a different member or another church, I can learn from them, you know, but now we see these big divides because you have on the one side, and I I must confess, you know, obviously we know this church is perfect, you know, it's like amazing, you know, but since you joined, it's not perfect anymore, and I'm joking, since I joined, it's not perfect anymore, yeah, but the crazy part is now you get this one group that's just like teacher, Oh, my Calvinistic doctrine is going to save me. And if you don't understand predestination and all of that stuff, and then you get the other prophet people that say, if we don't prophesy every day, you know, we keep the devil away. And if you don't have the supernatural, you're not good enough. And you have these streams of experience and knowledge. And and, and, and sometimes it's just full of pride. Because that five-year-old can receive Christ. Doesn't need to understand their salvation, but doesn't need to raise the dead before they can have an experience with Christ. Because the gospel is simple the simplicity of Christ. So, So it's so easy to have our little boxes and then hang on to those boxes because we find identity in those boxes. I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat life i was speaking to a guy that belongs to this was in this school and he said to me like the first two years after that he had to repent because he thought like it's greater to be like a paul russo before you're a christian (laughs) because so many people want to force their identity on you the world wants to do that jesus said learn of me for i'm meek and lowly of heart Listen to, I'm just going to read through some of these scriptures that Paul mentioned. Paul, the great apostle, the great guy. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9 to 10. I'm the least of the apostles that i am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. In Ephesians 3 verse 8, Unto me who am less than the least of all the saints, was this grace given to preach to the heathen. First Timothy 1 verse 13 and 15, I was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious. How about I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Yo, oh, <laughs> that's not the modern day super victorious Kingdom Now preaching or prosperity gospel. Saved somebody like me. Saved a rich like me. I want you to take your finger. I want you to point it at yourself. A rich like him. Me. (laughs) And so, the challenge if we... If we don't allow this weakness and this humility to grow and in our relationships with each other, then if we, we're just pretending, we become superficial Christians because then we chase after things. My knowledge, my theology, my experience. And God is really requiring a brokenness. He's, he's, he's asking of us just to say, I can't do it. <laughs> I was I was talking to a uh, a very influential businessman this week, and um, and he was talking through how he's now. This is this is like this guy operates in a different level, like you have not seen, you know. And so, so now we're chatting, and he's saying like, "Yo, yeah, yo, yeah, you know what? Um, this I can fix, and this I can fix, and I'm really focused on this, and with my business, and he goes through all the processes, and then he talks about through all that stuff, and then." And at the end of the conversation, and he says just, but the problem is my heart problem. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. I said, well done. That's the only thing God wants. If you realize you can't fix it, but need to surrender it to him. So that's why with Jesus, in Philippians 2 verse 8, he says, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Listen to Uncle Murray again. Humility means the giving up of self and the taking of the place of perfect nothingness before God. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death. In death he gave the highest, the perfect proof of having given up his will to the will of God. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And, and, And it's so difficult for us because, you know, It's it's so difficult to surrender. So the idea is not to focus on your sin, not to try and fix yourself, but to get completely yielded to God, to focus on Him. The answer doesn't lie in like, surrender more, try more, try harder, because hey, how many of us have tried to fix our sin problem or fix that? I'm not saying this is a ticket for you to keep on sinning. I'm just saying, surrender, humble yourself, repent, (laughs) repent. turn (laughs) you so last sunday night i asked um the students when we were here i asked them i i need five volunteers and then 20 came forward to come and confess their weakness i wonder if i did that this morning how many older people would come to the front (laughs) do you know what very few and the reason for that is because the world throws its stuff at us. We get hardened in the we, heart. We think that sometimes we can't change. But that's exactly why God's grace is there. Because His grace is made perfect in your weakness. But to open that up, that's where we need to start. <laughs> that's what we need to brag about. And it's so contrary to what even we find in the Western Christian culture. We're not used to that. We don't know that to be vulnerable before each other. Now, I'm not saying you need to now go and post on Facebook all your sins and all your shortcomings, but start with people that you trust. Start to to live that because that's in that place of obedience because you've surrendered to somebody else's will that you know will bless you so much more. That's why Paul can say, I take pleasure in my persecutions and infirmities and the stuff that goes wrong. I take pleasure in it. Why? Because there's an opportunity for me to get to know God more. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? So I'm ending off with to be occupied with God. I love what what, Andrew Murray writes. Just jump a couple of slides. I've got about 40 slides, but, but we'll leave most of them. To be occupied with God. It is the sinner dwelling in the full light of God's holy redeeming love. In the experience of that full indwelling of divine love which comes through Christ and the Holy Spirit. Who cannot but be humble. Not to be occupied with your sin but to be occupied with God brings deliverance from self. It's like fix your eyes on things above. Set your heart on things above. God is calling us not to look to yourself and, oh, the worm, worm, worm. Then you sing worm songs. Wormy, 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 you know. We sing actually like, how great is our God. Because in the light of who he is, we become yielded vessels. We begin to occupy ourselves, seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added. But you're going to get into a deeper hole. You know, just here on our campus, 65%, it's the minimum, it's the conservative percentage of students are using some sort of drug enhancement to help them to study, to just cope with stress. More than 65% of the top 5% of our nation, this university campus, is using some sort of coping mechanism, because do you know what? Society is crumbling, trying just to cope, because we have become masters at hiding and pretending. Because hey, have you seen my nice food on Instagram? You know, <laughs> have you seen where the Facebook is now? The, you know, we we have this one family member that is very good. It's it's actually, but it, it's. I hope I'm, a, I'm, a bit, I'm going to get in trouble. But in any case, I'm going to get in trouble now. But so this, this one person does all like the, you know, there's a photo. Now, we've been there. We've been there. And then that photo is like the cheeks are, have been made a half the size. The hair is a different color on, on on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. So there's at least when that photo is taken an, uh, two hours, it's not one of my close family members but it's somebody you know it, it's just crazy then you look at the picture and you think like it's a different person on this picture because everything you know it's like bummy cheeks with a little more, more red everything is like you know and you think like what she's definitely 10, that person is definitely 10 kilograms <laughs> but then you think like but you know how fake we our society has become just on on the media Telling the narrative of, of what we should look like, what we should wear, where should, should we go. And then God says, if my people, if my people would bring their brokenness, if my people would learn to yield. Render your heart, not your garment. Render, come close. I believe we, we're on the, on the verge of God showing stuff and especially releasing the prophetic and the supernatural, many of you know Ilza and them that was here in church. I had a meeting with her three weeks ago, and a five-year-old is beginning to dream stuff out of the book of Daniel, the book of Revelations. Stuff that is just impossible for human people to know. I think I told the story of how he came to his mother and said, Well, Mom, you must please phone this nation because there's this nation that needs to repent right now. She says, what nation? She says, no, no, all I saw is like a big harbor, and there's a lady standing with her arm like this, with a hand like this. It looks like a marshmallow in her hand, you know. <laughs> Statue of Liberty. He says, well, I, I don't know, no, but it's connected to the Eiffel Tower. That's what he said, because he knows the Eiffel Tower. Now, the same guy who designed the Eiffel Tower designed the liberty statue and says mom please phone them because they must repent they must repent right now five year old I believe God is about to move on a people that have humbled themselves but those who are spiritually proud those who have exalted themselves those who maybe we will not recognize the move of God when it comes the Jews didn't recognize the move of God They eventually crucified the move of God. What good can come out of Nazareth? It takes great humility because only the humble will discern. And there are very few prophetic voices standing up in our nation at the moment. The words of the prophets have grown silent. I'm so excited because there's a people that's standing up and saying, hey, we're humbling ourselves before God. We're nothing. But Lord, please don't skip us. <laughs> I strongly believe that the move of God will come out of the Middle East or the East, not out of the West. The church has moved South in South America, Africa and the East. We'll take great humility for Western Christians. They say, Lord, We want to learn a bit more about the people in the east rather than just sometimes listening to the american gospel and yeah there's one story i'm going to end with this it's probably the second last story when this pastor says i'm going to end with this then you must know it's another 20 minutes but so i remember standing at this conference and this woman from the eastern country I have told the story before, but I'm going to tell it again. He stands there with his old suit, Korean guy, with a tie that's still like this striped tie, you know, that's this old, 1965 probably, was great fashion then, you know? He stands there with his shoes and he's not a charismatic guy at all. He stands at the conference and I sit there and I think like, ah no, I must probably go to the next session, you know? Because, uh, you know, this guy isn't so charismatic. He isn't like. And so everybody's sitting there. And, and I asked the guy next to me, he says, Who's this guy? Because I came late that morning, actually. I wasn't there the previous night when they introduced the speakers and all that stuff. He says, says This and this guy. He's got a church of about 800,000 people. I said, What? He says, But you, you've never probably heard of him. He said, Just wait. So this woman stands with his Bible, this uncle, and he just reads scripture. And the next moment the Holy Spirit comes into that place. And people being set free, people being delivered. People fall on their faces, and all he does is he just stands there with his suit, with his broken English. Have you heard of Smith Wigglesworth? have you heard of people with great revivals the hiberdine revivals was a group of ladies in scotland Huberdeen's just praying was it scotland yeah scotland huh chris it was scotland just saying god our nation is in such chaos but we're turning we're seeking your face Ooh. duncan campbell when I was there with some Angus, he told me the story of with the, the guy, it's an old woman, he was probably 90, drove Duncan Campbell around during this revival. And he says, do you know what? When Uncle, Duncan, when Uncle Duncan would climb into the car, everybody was just silent because God's manifest presence was there. People would just start crying without him saying a word because he was a yielded vessel. God doesn't choose the great and the mighty. He chooses those who are yielded to His will. Those who have come into that place of brokenness. So I want to challenge you, but encourage you. Don't miss God. He's about to move. But humble yourself. I need to humble myself and say, God, do it again. More than ever, if our nation needs an intervention from God, it's now the world needs an intervention, it's now. But are we hungry enough to say, God, on your terms, not my terms. Do it your way, not my way. Your will, not my will. Will you stand with me? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.